Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and today we want to share an interview with one of our church partners in Mayfield, Kentucky. North America Ministries has been working in Mayfield since December, when the horrific tornado ripped through their town. Kendra Bandy from our podcast team was able to talk with Brad Morris, who is the senior pastor of First Assembly Church in Mayfield. Brad grew up in this town, and he explains how the damage of the storm impacted their community. But more importantly, he talks about the hope that they're offering during this hard time. I was so impressed by his dependence on the Lord and his desire to share this hope in Jesus with his entire community as they grieve, heal, and recover from the storm. My name is Brad Morris. Um, I serve as a senior pastor of First Assembly God Church in Mayfield, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, as most people know by now, we were spread all over the news for a few days. Our our small town of 10,000 was devastated by an F4 tornado on December 10th of 2021. Mm. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about what that was like. Have you ever uh, weathered a tornado before or what was it like for your your small little community? Our, our town about um, in 2016, so, you know, about uh, five years ago, um, an F3 tornado kind of went out like on the outskirts of town and just kind of just skipped along the ground for a few places and, you know, and then disappeared. You know, it's like the, what you hear more the normal type tornado, they don't stay on the ground very long. So we had no grid. We had no, other than that, we've had, we've, they always seem to pass Mayfield by, you know, we've had towns close to us hit by tornadoes, but it just seemed like it it just never hit Mayfield until that night. And, you know, this one stayed on the ground for so many miles. And so it, uh, it, it picked up, it had such force that it picked up all of the debris and uh, according to some meteorologists, was throwing it 30,000 feet in the air. And, uh, and then it would slam it back down to the ground. It was literally raining bricks and blocks and metal on our town. Uh, at a, it was spinning at 200 miles an hour and moving at 55 miles an hour. So that's quite a force. And so uh, it just, it came right up through Tennessee and right up I-69 corridor there. And uh, it, it seemed like, Kendra, it seemed like it was here for like 30 seconds and it was gone. I mean, it seemed like it was such a, it was a quick thing. It wasn't, and I live on the south part of town, which was not affected, mm-hmm. uh, but we all lost power. You know, there was no power anywhere. And uh, it's really strange when you when you're used to seeing just some kind of, you know, some kind of ambient light somewhere and there's none. You know, you can't see your hand in front of your face. And uh, well, except for your cell phone light. You know, a lot of people uh, was navigating by cell phone light in that moment. And so when it was over with, I I go outside and it's dark, but I I got my cell phone up and I'm looking around and everything's in place, you know, and I thought, well, hey, we came through that pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then we heard the sirens of emergency vehicles. And I've never in my life heard the number 
I mean, it seemed like they were coming from every direction and it just didn't, you know, usually a emergency vehicle will go past you, you know, and you'll hear it coming and pass it. It, it, it was, it was like, they were just continually, continually coming. And I'm like, okay, something's going on somewhere. And uh, then I started getting text messages on my phone that uh, the downtown is gone and that other section of the town. And the next morning when I, when I got out for myself, I, um, you, you have to go up a little rise to when you get downtown, it's, it's, you're going up a hill and you really can't see the North part of town and we're a small town. So you can see a lot of the town, you know, you got a pretty good vantage point. And when I got to the court square and I of course you could see from a long way that the courthouse was totally just destroyed. Uh, but I couldn't see past that. When I got up to that, uh, what used to be a stoplight, then I saw the North part of town and all of it was gone. All the houses were gone. If, if they weren't completely wiped out, just the shell of debris was in its place. I mean, every business, every house, and now they are gone. The, they've come in and they've removed all the rubble. So it was hard seeing it in heaps of rubble, but it's just as hard seeing the empty spaces there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of people are, are dealing with that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, even, I, I'll, I'll throw this in. I don't know if this is where you want me to share this, but it's just been um, just a few weeks ago uh, on Saturday, early Saturday mornings. It's my uh, practice. I come over to the church and seek the Lord um, very early in the morning before the sun is up. And so I've been over here praying and I, um, it took two weeks, Kendra, for me to drive through town and not completely break down. At least two weeks, the first two weeks, I could not drive through town without breaking down. I don't do that anymore, but it still hits you in the face. Mm-hmm. And I was driving back through town and there it is again. You know, I see it. I just felt the spirit of the Lord speak to my heart in that moment. And he said what he said to Ezekiel. He said, can these dry bones live? Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I played it safe because uh, the Lord wasn't looking for information from me. <laughs> and I, I, I said what Ezekiel said. I said, only, you know, oh Lord. You alone. And he said, he reminded me in that moment, he reminded me that that he told Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones when the dry bones were still laying there as dry bones. They weren't even moving yet. Mm-hmm. There was no life. There was no anything, just like those piles of rubble. So that day, I drove through our town like a crazy man. People listened to me, and I was, pro- I, you know, I was declaring breath and life to our town. You will live and not die. And uh, we believe that. And not just us, not just me, but a lot of people in our town. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that uh, there's just not a lot of hope from what they see. They don't, you know, they, they don't see how in any way possible that we can rebuild from this. Um, but uh, the churches have been incredible. Um, a lot of the people that got impacted by the by the storm. Uh, um, a lot of them had turned the church off. They were living their lives their own way. They had made their own decisions, and they really didn't want the church really involved. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them had basically cut the church off. They crawled out of that rubble. And that's the amazing thing. This thing went through our town, and our people were at home. And they didn't die. They crawled out of it. 
Mm-hmm. And they crawled out of that to find orange shirted people representing the church coming to them. Mm-hmm. And that's been a big deal, been a really big deal. Samaritan's Purse has, with maybe they know it, maybe they don't know it, but they have built a bridge that, was, that wasn't there, that had been completely destroyed. In the destruction of the tornado, a bridge has been built now for the church to reconnect with families in a way that we didn't have before. And we praise that is a great, great thing. Now, I told him when I was down at the conference, I, I, I remember having breakfast with Todd. And I said, Todd, I wouldn't trade anything for you guys. I said, meeting you, meeting you guys, and that's Luther and, and Elliot and all the people that, you know, I, I, I got in. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy was the first person to call me. The second day after the tornado, first day after the tornado, I get a call from Jeremy Zirkle. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Jeremy Zirkel, you know, <laughs> and, um, but um, like you said, he's, he's an amazing fella and I wouldn't trade anything for knowing you guys, but it, I would not know you if that F4 didn't go through our town. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't thank God for the tornado. We don't believe God sent the tornado. That's, and if I read my Bible, Jesus didn't start storms. He stopped them. And so uh, we, 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 you know, we, we went through it. Uh, we we don't give you a full explanation why it just we, it just happened, mm-hmm. but um, churches are working together in in Mayfield now that weren't working together before the tornado. Mm-hmm. Another incredible uh, benefit that's come out of this is uh, men of God around our town that I really wasn't working with all that much. We weren't really connected. We now are really connected and working together. That's awesome. It's so encouraging to hear. And I'm sure, um, yeah, the, the months after even the tornado were devastating. I'm sure driving through, it's just as devastating to see the damage, but also to see, just like you said, the empty spaces. And I was actually, I was reading in my Bible this morning and it reminded me that this conversation was coming up today in Matthew 5, 14 says, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And I was just thinking about your church and about how truly you all are a beacon for those who are hurting. And just like you said, it just strong imagery from you of people literally crawling out from the rubble looking for their hope. So my next question for you is, you know, we're about to enter into this Easter season. Um, I can't believe it's already here, but how are you preparing your church and your heart and your community for this hope that has come, Jesus Christ, in the midst of heartbreak. You have a physical heartbreak in your community. How are you preparing for it this Easter Sunday? We, we have been preparing. Uh, of course, Easter is a, is a huge deal all its own. You know, you don't have to prop it up. You don't have to whip it up or, or hype it up, you know, whatever. It's just the, the powerful truth that the son of the living God came with the express purpose to redeem us. And that, that, that's just not a truth that happened. That wasn't just a moment in time years ago. Time has had no impact on him. Time is time erodes everything else, but it doesn't erode God. And he is just as powerful and just as strong. He's just as committed to redeeming the lives of people. So we build upon that uh, towards Easter. And um, as people are 
being impacted by the church through this devastation, we have, we have started uh, doing things differently. And as I know other churches have, uh, with, a, with a real focus on um, more people in our church, you know, for a lot of churches, uh, we're probably no different than a lot of churches. Um, you know, it's always been said, I've been, I've been in this all my life, you know. Uh, that, that's the one thing I've done. I've been a minister for years and years, and I'm so privileged to be so. But they've always said about church, you know, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, you know, or, mo- you know, most, most all of the work is done by a handful of people. And out of this devastation, I realized there's a lot of people we need to touch. And we can't do it with a handful of people. And so we are committed to, to getting every person in our church involved in the, uh, in the declaration of the gospel in every way possible. Uh, it has become our goal to make sure that our, our people that we minister to become biblically literate and gospel conversant. Uh, because a lot of people, they say, what is the gospel? It's amazing how many people said, well, I know about it and it's changed my life, but I don't know if I can really explain what it is. <laughs> we need to know. We need to know the good news and be able to tell it. And so uh, that we started that uh, back earlier in the year and have really are in the process now a lot. You know, a lot of people, they're just used to coming in, sitting down, getting, you know, enjoying the worship, getting a message and then going home, you know, and um, it just can't be that way anymore. Everybody. Now, we're not using a whip, (laughs) you know, we're not trying to beat people into submission, but with a a strong, um, uh, with a strong message of love and and the, the hour that is upon us and somehow or another tragedy. Tragedy can wipe you out or it can stir you into action. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've used it. And I know other churches across our city have used it to stir. The church has been stirred to action. Through the tornado, the church has gotten out of her box, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. here in our, in, our, in our city. And um, so because we were the people responding, you know, the government was overwhelmed. There's no manual written for an F4 taking out your town. And this is, this is the steps that you do. We just, we just don't know. But uh, the church stepped in and uh, across the board, uh, I think this Easter season, Kendra, is going to be powerful. I think people, we're, we're believing for it to be one of the biggest days of redemption that our city has ever known. Mm, that's powerful. That is powerful to hear. You know, while you were talking, it reminds me in First Peter, you know, the verse that says, always have, be ready, always have an uh, explanation for the hope that you have inside you. And I feel like, although you're, of course, just like you said, the Lord did not send this storm. Your church was prepared. You were continually relying on the gospel and his word, and you were strengthened before the storm came so that when it did come, you were able to help. I mean, even people within your own community and church were strengthened because of it. Um, So that's kind of my next question. I might put you on the spot a little bit. You don't have to answer it if you don't have a specific one, but I would love to know if there's a specific story or family that comes to your mind um, in these last four months that has either just seen the benefits and either come to know the Lord or have just seen his goodness and mercy in the midst of this 
heartache. I, I got, I've got a perfect story for you. Mm. Uh, there's a gentleman in our town who, on, on the, when the warnings were going out right before the tornado got to our town, he, he, he just basically didn't believe it. He, he just wasn't taking it serious. You know, we've heard this stuff before and it never hit. So he, just, he, was, he wasn't even at home. Mm. Well, then the tornado hits and he makes it across to where he lives and finds that his home, his car, everything is gone. He got wiped out. And he ran out into the street. When he, when he saw this, he gets out into the middle of the street and lifts his face up into the heavens. And he says, Lord, you got to help me. And I'm not even sure he's a believer at the time. Um, one of the guys from our church who was actively involved in helping people get out of the uh, destruction they were in in their homes comes across this guy and he's telling this guy's telling uh the gentleman from our church he's telling me his story of what i just told how he saw it and yelled out lord god you got to help me and while he's telling the story uh the gentleman from our church his name is jason jason says to me there's a minivan that keeps passing by us and while, he's tell, while this guy's talking to me, the minivan finally stops. And a gentleman gets out and walks over to them. And he said, excuse me, but I'm from Indiana. And the Lord put it on my heart that I needed to come to Mayfield and give my minivan away. And he pointed at the man who said, God, you got to help me. And he said, and I'm going to give it to you. There was a man from Iowa that had come just to help. He saw the destruction and he and he said, I got to go help. And so he was following Jason around, helping people. Jason did not know him. He's just a guy from Isle that came down to help. Jason immediately sensed that this guy was not a Christian. So he turns around and simply says, oh, brother, tonight's your night. And that gentleman gets saved, right? He gives his heart to the Lord on that spot while the other man is getting a new minivan. It wasn't a brand new. It was, a, you know, a vehicle that just amazing, mm -hmm. amazing. That happened like just days after the tornado hit. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, uh, I talked to Jeremy before this and he said that you all are not only were helping being the bridge with Samaritan's Purse at the very beginning in December, whenever the tornado hit, but now you're also coming alongside families in this rebuild program. So um, will you talk to me a little bit more about the partnership with Samaritan's Purse and what it's been like? Uh, to reach your community in this way? I, I, I had a, an opportunity to uh, speak on Saturday morning at the conference uh, in Orlando just mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I came across a scripture in Matthew chapter eight, and it, it just illustrated to me what this partnership with Samaritan's Purse is like. And uh, Jesus had just spent, you know, some time and it's those incredible chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where he's teaching his disciples. But there's this whole crowd of people listening. Mm -hmm. And uh, lepers, lepers back then were not even seen as people. You know, they were lepers. You lost your identity when you got leprosy. Because no longer did I, no longer were you seen as kindred. You were a leper. And so they felt the weight of that. They couldn't get around people. They had to go around saying, you know, unclean, unclean. And so uh, 
Evidently, there was a leper listening to Jesus as he taught, because when he finishes at the end of Matthew 7 and Matthew 8 begins, a leper approaches him, which is not, that is not how this is supposed to work. You know, he's not supposed to approach people, but such faith had risen in this leper that he approached Jesus. He said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And the thing that Jesus did is he reached out and touched him. He didn't, the Bible says before he said anything, he reached out and touched him. And I said, that is Samaritan's purse. They, they came and before they ever said a word, they touched our town. The church is the second part of this in that Jesus then said, I am willing, be made whole or be made clean. And uh, that's us. After the touch of Samaritan's purse, the church comes in and speaks to people who may have lost their identity in the things that they were involved in. They no longer felt like I'm not a, I'm not a person anymore. I'm a I'm an abuser. You know, uh, I'm a user and how the enemy strips us of our identity. And the church comes along and says, no, 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 we're willing. You're still welcome here. And uh that so powerfully, as I read that passage, demonstrated what this partnership with Samaritan's Purse has been like for us. Mm. Wow, that is powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, how can we, if a listener is tuning in and they want to pray for your church, what are some specific ways that you would ask them to pray? I would ask them to, uh, uh, my one of my top priorities in prayer for our town is um, we have real opportunity here, real opportunity to um, affect change for our city. Uh, again, all, all, a lot of things that got carried away uh, were things, were a lot of the housing that carried away were terrible houses that were in horrible shape. Um, we've got a real opportunity to rebuild but we need a, in our government, we need a Daniel. We need the voice of a Daniel, not, not the voice of the government that is now the administration that is now in power and everything that they're saying and everything that a lot of people seem to be as government is going. We do not need to go that way. We have an opportunity to do it differently and to do it God's way. And so we're really praying that the Lord will, will guide us into how to rebuild our town in a way that helps the people because we know every time God is glorified, the people benefit. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, righteousness exalts a nation. Mm -hmm. So um, God give us leaders in our town that will not take righteousness and reject that, but use some kind of man's way of doing things, but that we will embrace the righteousness of God in the rebuilding of our town. Mm -hmm. Sorry, just writing that down. That's okay. Um, thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else uh, that comes to mind that you feel like uh, you'd like to share in regards to um, just the ways that the Lord is working through your church right now or the ways that you're preparing your heart for this Easter season? We are praying for taking it to a whole new level. Uh, I turn, I, I, I use this term. Uh, I just... Uh, the Lord just quickened this in my heart a few weeks ago. And um, I would say this. We are believing. We are believing for entire households. 
to come to Christ. Entire families, not just one of them, but entire. As we reach out to one of them, the entire family will be impacted. See, we're very familiar with collateral damage. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, But we've turned a new phrase and we're calling it collateral freedom. Mm -hmm. And that uh, though we may target one person, many more people will be impacted. That, that, uh, that what we say will have such power. The gospel has such power that when Jesus rebuked the wind, when the disciples went to him and said, Lord, we're, we're going to die. Don't, don't you even care? You know? <laughs> so he, he says, you know, guys, you know, first he rebukes the wind. And then he calms the sea. There was something sinister. There was something evil going on there that he had to rebuke. There was a wind coming against him, that, 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 uh, an enemy. And then he calmed the sea. And then he turned on the guys. And, and he had an expectation that uh, you, you should have done this yourself. Where's mm-hmm. your faith? Mm-hmm. He targeted that wind. But uh, if you continue on, I, be, I believe it's, this is in Mark chapter 4 where this mm-hmm. happens. If you continue on to Mark chapter five, man put the chapter separators in there, but it's the same story. Mark chapter five is the same story in that when he rebuked that wind across the lake, lived a man who was so out of his mind that he couldn't even live in a house. He lived in the tombs and nobody could control him. Nobody could do anything with him. When Jesus stood up in that boat and rebuked that wind, it ran slam into that guy living in those tombs, that rebuke. And so when Jesus steps out of the boat, guess who meets him? That man. And the Bible says in Mark chapter five, verse six, I believe it is, that he ran to him and worshiped him. So while the wind was being targeted, the man was set free. That's what we're believing for at Mayfield. I hope you were encouraged and reminded this Easter season of the hope that we have in Jesus. I know Brad encouraged me and he reminded me that trials and hardship, they give us an opportunity to share the gospel. Their church is truly showing endurance and dependence on the Lord. And I love this reminder in Luke 21, 19 that says, by your endurance, gain your lives. This community uh, has been heartbroken, but they are being offered the hope of Jesus through churches like Brad's um, and Samaritan's Purse that are being a beacon of hope in this time. And I love the passage that Kendra shared in Matthew 5. And I want to read Matthew 5, 14 through 16, because I think after Easter, it's so important to remember that we are the light of the world. And it says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I'm so thankful for churches like this that are working around the country to bring hope and healing and to truly be the light of the world. And so I encourage you this Easter season to remember the hope that we have in Jesus and to share this light that has been given to you with others. Thank you again for tuning in and happy Easter. God bless you.